0: Welcome to the Scottsdale Big Book Study, where we will study the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today's date is Saturday, May 13, 2023. My name is Dottie, and I'm a grateful compulsive ever eater from New Jersey. I will be your host for today's study. Our co-hosts are Veronica C., Sue L., Tammy M., um, and that's it. Right? If you have any questions during the meeting, please contact either myself or any of the co-hosts by private message in the chat function. The chat function will be disabled until five minutes before the question and answer session. Please note that the speaker Harlan G. will be recorded for the duration of the study. However, the question and answer session hosted by Veronica C., which follows, will not be recorded. We ask if you can please make sure to keep your microphone on mute at all times during today's study, and also please turn off your video if you are exercising, eating, or if you need to step away from your screen for any reason. During the meeting, we will post the link to our seven tradition. This money goes toward the cost of our Zoom account, the cost of uploading our recordings, and we will also send contributions to our intergroup and WSO. We will post the link to the previous week's recordings. These are available by clicking on that link that will be posted in the chat box. I will now gratefully turn the meeting over to Harlan G.
1: Thank you so much, Dottie, and we're all hoping you will feel better soon. We know you've been under the weather a bit, so hopefully you'll be okay soon and, and back up and about with your normal energy, your normal your normal self. Uh, it's a great morning, and I wanna thank all of you for coming to join this morning. I know that there are a lot of other things you may want to be doing at this point, so I'm honored that you're here. This morning, we are going to talk about step 11, the very first step I work in the morning and the very last step I work at night are step 11. They're my sandwich steps, not that I eat sandwiches while I'm doing them, but they begin my day and they end my day. They're at the top and the bottom of every day. And we're going to go to the bottom of page eighty-five. But before we get started on step eleven, my voice is a little shaky this morning. I'm 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 not real allergic this morning, but my voice is uh, not always cooperative. So please uh, excuse me if it fades in and out. Um, but step eleven, <clears throat> sorry, step eleven. Suggest prayer and meditation. But before we get back to that, before we get down to that, let's take a look at some things that we have been talking about. We have been talking about step 10. And when we were talking about step 10, it's the culmination of so much because now we're taking action to sort of diminish the toxicity of, of the normal human emotions that drive us into the food. We have fear and anger and we have selfishness and self-seeking and we have dishonesty and we have guilt and shame and remorse and all these various things that we deal with as human beings. And this is the crux of the problem. When these emotions build oh, there we go. When these emotions build to a certain level eating becomes preferable to the way we feel when we are sitting in these emotions. Is that clear to everybody? I hope it is because my voice is so bad that sometimes I think I'm saying something and I'm not. Okay. So the toxicity of these emotions makes eating preferable to the way we feel. So we take this action of step 10. Now let's go to the bottom of page 85. And what we're going to discuss is prayer and meditation. And the Oxford groupers, the Oxford groupers had a very different, let me just get a sip of water here. The Oxford groupers had a very, oh, there we go. The Oxford groupers had a very different interpretation of meditation than some of us have today. This meditation of sitting on the floor and chanting or doing all the things, and those are all fine things. Those are good things. I'm not being at all critical of those things, but when the Oxford groupers talked about meditation And Bill Wilson wrote about meditation. He was not talking about transcendental meditation. He was not talking about the kind of meditation that may be familiar to many of us now. Not that those things are wrong. The meditation that he was talking about is just being quiet. Just being still. There's a passage in another big book that says, Be still, for I am God. Be still, for I am God. And when they're talking about prayer and meditation, that is the kind of meditation that they are referring to being still, being quiet. Now, I also know that some of you are going to ask me in questions and answers about two way prayer. Now, I am not an expert on two-way prayer. I am not. But here is what I do as a method of practice. I pray every morning. And sometimes I pray with someone else. And sometimes I pray by myself. I like it better when I pray with someone else, to be honest with you. But I, I mostly pray by myself. But what I do is, I have a situation where I also will do some writing, some journaling, and this is what they're talking about. Just sitting quietly with a pencil and a paper, praying, and the meditation comes from that quiet time. And I often use that quiet time in two ways. Number one, I walk every morning, six days a week. I don't walk seven days a week. Six days a week, I walk in the morning. And for a lot, because it takes me an hour and a half to do that. For a lot of that time, I'm talking on the phone. But very deliberately and very, very important in my quest for a a better communication with God is sometimes I will take off my headset by just dropping them down to my shoulders. I have the over the head headset, so I'll just drop them down here and just listen to the birds, listen to the night because I walk when it's dark outside, listen to the dogs barking and the cats meowing and just listen to the wind or the lack of wind, just being quiet. And in that moment, I often hear the guidance and I hear the voice of God. Now, all too often, I get me involved in there. I want this and I want that. I got to have this and i got to have that. You know, that's normal. Most of us do that. But I've got to try to, not try, I exercise my muscle of not giving in to those selfish thoughts of what I want and who I want and where I want and how I want and what I want. And just being quiet, just being still. So when we talk about meditation, I practice meditation in a couple of ways. I'm not as good at it as I would like to be, but I'm working at it. Number one, being still. Number two, writing. Number three, when I'm walking, to just take that time with God. And there's one other thing that I do. Now, I'm only sharing this with you. Because it helps me. Now, if you don't do these things, are you wrong? No. If you don't do these, or should you be doing these things because I do them? No. But here's what I like to do every day. In the morning, I like to ask God, or I like to ask myself, where is it that I need God's help the most? And in the evening, I take a minute And I say to God, three things that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for three things. And what did I see today that was beautiful? What did I see today that inspired me with awe of what you can do or what you've created? Things like that. So there's three things, four things, four things I ask myself in the evening, Three things I'm grateful for, and I do a a separate gratitude list with my sponsor every day, but I three things I'm grateful for, and one thing that I saw today that was absolutely beautiful. And in the morning, I ask myself, where is it that I most need God's help today? And, you know, every day as I live my life, I find that I need God's help more and more when I was younger in the sixties, there was a song on the radio. It was by spiral staircase and it was called, I love you more today than yesterday, but not as much as tomorrow. That's a long title for a song. Holy mackerel. That's a long title for a song, but that was the title of it. I love you more today than yesterday, but not as much as tomorrow. And that's how I feel about God because you know what I know guys I know very well that my disease gets worse and worse and worse and worse every day, whether I'm eating or not the disease is progressive and in chapter three of the big book we find a guy a man of 30 who had been dry for 25 years 25 years could you imagine being abstinent for 25 years and then just picking up food and then he was dead within four years did his disease get worse and worse yes it did did it get worse or excuse me, did it stop getting worse because he was dry? No, the disease is progressive, whether we're eating or not. Permanent, progressive, and if untreated, fatal. We can die from the disease or we can die with the disease. With that in mind, those are some things that I do. Just to review again, I I do my morning prayer. And I'll show you some of what I do today. You have to find your own prayers, your own things. I'm just going to show you today what I do. And I'm going to tell you again that in the morning, when I'm done with my morning prayers, I ask myself, "What is? where is it that I most need God's help? And in the afternoon, or not in the afternoon, in the evening, I say to myself, what are three things I'm grateful for? And what did I see today that was beautiful? Okay, let's go to the very bottom of page 85 in the big book. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. Let's stop right there and just take it a second one of the things that we are very affected by is the actions of people that do not always show up in the credits. You know what I mean by the credits? You watch a movie or you watch a TV show and you see the credits. This guy played this guy and this guy was the director, this guy was the producer, but there are people in the show that we don't see. And one of the unsung heroes of our Step 11 is Ann Smith. And by the way, did you guys know that yesterday, March, the May the 12th, was the anniversary of Bill meeting Bob in 1935? to that 65, 85, 88 years. God, I hope my math is correct. I suck at math so bad, but I think it's 88 years ago, 1935 on Mother's Day, May 12th, that they first met. And by the way, just to give you a little history, Dr. Bob was not originally thought of as a co-founder. Hank Parkhurst certainly had more claim to that than Dr. Bob, but he was drunk by September of 1939 and Abby Thatcher had greater claim to co-founder status than Dr. Bob, but he was drunk by August of 1935. So Dr. Bob sort of had his title of co-founder sort of thrust upon him almost by default. But Ann Smith was his wife and Anne used to see, stand by the door of their home on Ardmore Street in Akron, Ohio. And before Bill and Bob in the summer of 1935 would run out of the house, running to the hospital to see if they could find a drunk to work with, she would hold her hand up like a traffic cop with her stop palm facing the boys and say, have you boys taken your quiet time? And they would go back and like little children, sit in the living room, and sit down and take their quiet time that she insisted that they do. And this is where this practice of quiet time comes from. Ann Smith was also a member of the Oxford group. Even before Bill Wilson got to Akron, she was active in the Oxford group, as was Dr. Bob, little known fact that it was Bill Wilson that brought information to Bob about the allergy. Even being a doctor, Dr. Bob did not know that and the twist of the mind but they were members of the oxford group and ann smith she insisted she put her hand out like a traffic cop you know stop and she would stop the boys at the door and they would sit down in that living room where Dottie's picture, if you look at Dottie's picture, she is standing in the entrance to the Smith's living room there or dining room, I think. And this is where the boys would sit and take their quiet time. Okay, now let's talk about something. It says we it works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. I'm going to let you in on something that I found out the hard way. You know, when you used to watch I Dream of Jeannie and you used to watch Bewitched and Samantha would twitch her nose and go little, and something would she'd snap her fingers and they'd be in Alaska or some guy would turn into a hippopotamus or something. well life isn't like that. I'm I'm sorry to have to tell you that, but life isn't like that or genie would go like this boom and all of a sudden you know some guy would poor guy would turn into a penguin or something. well life isn't like that. What is the proper attitude toward it? The proper attitude is as we talked about in step 10, what is the step 10 prayer? how can I best serve thee? thy will, not mine, be done. So when I'm sitting here praying, oh, I want a new car. Oh, I want a new house. Oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. That is not the proper attitude. The proper attitude is how can I best serve thee, God? Your will, not mine, be done. You know, we all have a wish list. Oh, I wish my my daughter would do this. Or I wish my son would do that. Oh, I wish this. I wish that. Well, that's not what we're praying for here, guys. We are praying for knowledge of God's will and the power to carry that out. In step 10, we continue. In step 11, we improve. And in step 12, we practice. What are we improving? We're improving our relationship with God. And God has shown me throughout my life that when I am less selfish, less self-demanding, not self, not self-demanding, less self um de- well demanding, demanding for myself, I guess is the way I want to put it. When I'm less demanding, he gives me a much better life. When I was a little boy, I nagged my mother. And we, I remember this, this was, this was a day that I will never forget. I wanted baseball cards, but what I really wanted was Ernie Banks. He was my hero. And Ernie Banks was hard to get in a baseball card. He was just tough as nails to get. So she bought me a bunch of baseball cards. Baseball cards were a nickel a pack. And she gave me 35 cents. I can see the dime in the quarter in my hand. She gave me 35 cents and I spent it on baseball cards. I bought seven packs of baseball cards for 35 cents. And I didn't get any Ernie Banks. So I started nagging her again. I want more baseball cards. I want more baseball cards. So all of a sudden we were going down Western Avenue and she turned to me and she said in Yiddish, "Azoy zoe my Zun. A my maizun means it's always something with you. And I fight against that part of my personality. I can be very, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. I bet I'm not alone here, right? I bet I'm not alone in that. I see a lot of heads going up and down, up and down. So sometimes I have to remind myself that enough is enough and enough is enough and that things are okay, let's just live our life. Because what I often want to do is I want to do what it says in step three. I want to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery in my own way. If only the other players would stay put, I often want to do that. That's why I read those passages every morning because I need to hear that. I need to hear that when I write the script, the show blows chunks, it blows chunks. So when God writes the script, instead of me writing the script, golly, I have a much better life a much better life. So the proper attitude that they're talking about here is I'm praying for God's will and the knowledge and power to carry it out. That's what I want. And if we work at it, I work at this every day. I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm better off than where I was, much better off than where I was. It would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. When we retire at night. Now, the question that many of you have is, why is the nighttime section before the daytime section? I'll explain that. Because it is assumed that you've been doing 10 steps all day long. Now, if you've been doing your 10 steps, now we're going to come to the nighttime section. Now, I want to remind you, I just got done talking about writing. There is no written instruction for step 11. The The written instructions are four, eight, and sometimes nine. You don't have to write this out. You want to write it out, write it out. It's not wrong. It's not bad. You're fine. But there's no instruction that you need to do that. But we're going to retire at night and we're going to constructively review our day. And where I see people bucking back against doing this is they say, oh, I feel guilty when I do it. Oh, I feel bad about myself when I'm doing it. Oh, I don't like doing it. Well, the reason we often don't like doing it is we destructively do it. We destructively, because that perfectionistic part of our brain kicks in. What did Bill know at the end of his life? We are immature, sensitive, perfectionistic rebels. We are immature, perfectionistic, sensitive rebels. So nobody has a perfect day. Nobody has a perfect life. Nobody and nothing is going to be perfect except God. But we're going to constructively review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? That calls us back to step 10. It calls us back to step four. Do we owe an apology? Step nine, eight and nine. Should we have kept something to ourselves? Have we kept, not should we, have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Remember what the four impediments taught us? What's the second one? The first one is a resentment that you will not let go of. And the second one is a secret you will not tell. And the third one is a harmful thrill that you will not stop. And the fourth one is a restitution that you will not make. Those are impediments to God. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to call everybody and say, now, here's my bank account. I'm at the Bank of America on Shea Boulevard in Scottsdale. Here's my pass. Here's my... uh, pin number and here's the account number no no that doesn't mean that at all but what it means is i was afraid here's where i was afraid i was angry here's where i was angry i was whatever i was here and i need to discuss it with somebody not only do i need to discuss it as a way of getting rid of it but I need to discuss it because in my brain, I don't have objective feedback. Objectivity eludes me because a solitary self-appraisal proved insufficient. This is why step five is one of the great emancipators. Five and nine are the great emancipators. Let's continue. Were we kind and loving toward all? Well, I'm trying. I could try a little harder today. I could try a little harder. What could we have done better? Now, please don't take that sentence as a way of beating yourself to death. What could I have done better? Here's my answer to that question, 365 days a year. I could have listened to you a little bit more, God. I could have done your will instead of trying to force my way into the world. Force my will into the will of the people that are around me. I don't need to do that, yet I so want to, because if I could arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in my own way, I am sure that the play would be great. And it doesn't come off very well, does it? So I'm sure others are more to blame. But if I seek God's will, and I hold on to the fact that God understands better than me, then I'm going to be okay. And you know, I have problems, damn it. I've got, I know I'm the only one here that has them. I'm the only one here that has problems for me. Oh my God. I only know of one group that has no problems. And every once in a while, I drive past them. They're in the cemetery, they have no problems. To live, to be alive, to breathe is meaning, it is going to mean that there are going to be challenges. I have a picture of myself right behind me at about 600 pounds. I'll duck down so you could see it. That's me at about 600. That was a very unhappy person. That was a person whose greatest fantasy in life was to drop dead painlessly. That was a person who may look a little like me. He's got more hair than I. He certainly has more blubber than I. He is certainly more broke financially than I, but he is a very unhappy guy. I'll duck down again since some of you there you go. So you can see me. Okay. I may have a little less hair and I'm older than him, but I've got a much better life than him. I've got a better life than he ever could have imagined. Oh, the places I've been to since that picture was taken, the people that I've met and seen Oh, the stories that I could tell since that day. Oh, Lord in heaven, it has been a ride and it was worth every penny that I paid. I paid a very hefty price. I paid a very hefty price, but I have been given so much. And sometimes I lose sight of how grateful I need to be for the journey that I've been on what a journey takes my breath away. Wow. You know, I've said this before. I'll say it now. If I had a pill that would cure you, I don't have a pill here, but let's just say my pen here was the magic wand that could cure your your disease. I wouldn't give it to you because I don't want to cheat you out of the journey. I don't want to cheat you out of the journey. Oh, it's a wonderful journey. Let's continue. Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? I said it before and I'll say it again. I'm human. You know, no matter how evolved my recovery gets, I will never rise above the level of human being. And I'm sure I have better ideas than God. I am sure that if the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players would only conform to my wishes, the show would be great. And you know what? It often is not true. As a matter of fact, it's never true. Let's continue. Were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? What does that mean? It means, what did you add to the greater good? What did you add to the greater good? In my background, in my childhood, there are four good deeds that you can do that will endear you to God above all other deeds, above all other things. These are the four things you can do. You can mourn with the mourners. You can celebrate with the celebrants. You can comfort the sick. And you can give to the less fortunate. Those are four universals. You can mourn with the mourners. Celebrate with the celebrants. Comfort the sick and give to the poor. Well, there's 150 sick people here. There's 150 people here right now that are suffering from their eating disorder or in recovery from their eating disorder. But nonetheless, we are afflicted. Did we reach out to the newcomer? Did we do something that brought a little bit of joy to those who are afflicted. Let's continue. But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. And I often fall prey to that. But what I'm reminded of by my sponsor and what I'm reminded of by... But the years I've been in this program is I have to stop telling God how big my problems are and start telling my problems how big my God is. Want me to say that again? I have to stop telling God how big my problems are and start telling my problems how big My God is. It's important that I remember not just the mountain ranges in front of me. I have challenges. We all do. But look behind me for just a second here. Turn around and look at the mountain ranges that I have transgressed. Look at how far I've come. And when I look at how far I've come, and that's why I have that picture of this poor, sick, suffering, morbidly obese man behind me. When I look at those mountain ranges behind me, I'm reminded of the amazing power of God. You know, I was married for 17 and a half years. I was with this woman for 18 and a half years. And she used to throw out my my journals when I used to buy composition books. You ever, you know what a composite, we used them in grammar school. They're kind of sewn books. They're black and white speckled. And I used to buy them at office max. I used to buy 30, 40 of them at a time. And I would write in there, you know, every day. And when I was done, she would throw them out. And I always always liked when she would keep them a little bit, because sometimes I find things that I write with. And I think to myself, and this is a tool for me, you don't have to do this. I think to myself, Oh my God, I remember that. Oh my God, I remember that person. Oh my God, I remember that incident. And when I remember back to that incident, what it does for me is it jolts me into a situation where I appreciate God for helping me get over that bridge of pain so that I can transgress between a and where I am today, or be and where I am today. And the fear of the unknown, the fear of the untested is, is before me. And so that fear will make me hesitant and it will make me fill with fear and dread because I hate the unknown, the untested. I fear it, but when I look behind me, a little bit and I'm not suggesting you live your life in the past but what I'm don't look too long you know don't you know what they say it's like it's like anything else look but don't stare you know staring is rude so look and and think about where you've come and then look forward and then look forward very very key to the process very key to the process. So sometimes I look and I have in my drawer next to me, I have some stuff here. There's crap shoved in there and the, you know, there's cards in there. You know, when I do retreats or whatever I do, they give you a thank you note. And I always, when I get home, I'll write down uh, Santa Cruz, California. Uh, 20 April of 2023 because a lot of times I'll forget you know and I want to remember I want to remember this is a card from Dallas of you know 19 whatever it was you know I want to remember so I've learned a lot of times I think well I always remember this no I don't you know like a year later five years later I don't remember who these people are at all so I write down there I'll just write Dallas 2023 or Fresno California you know 1999 whatever the heck it is you know, whatever, Chicago, whatever. So this way I remember, and these are the places that I've been. And sometimes I remind myself of the joy of doing it. You know, uh, Dan Fogelberg has a song called Old Zine, And he says, there's a line in the song that applies to me. He says, the audience was heavenly, but the traveling was hell. I don't like the travel. I don't like airplanes. I don't like air. You know, I always pay extra to sit as close to the front of the plane as I can, because I want to get the flock off that plane. As soon as I, as soon as that plane is at the gate, I want off. I don't want to be on that plane, you know, like a freaking sardine. So I pay extra to sit near the front. Okay. So that said, What I want to point out to us is whatever works for you, take a minute to thank God Almighty that you may not be where you want to be. You may not be what you could be. Thank God you're not what you used to be. Thank God you're not where you used to be. And when I take that minute to thank God that I'm not where I was, it fills me with faith. And that faith will carry me through a scary day. I'm human. And I'm broken. And I'm sick. And I've had a lot of horrible trauma in my life. I bet I'm not alone. I bet I'm not alone, but when we think about that trauma, that here I am, God, and I'm ready to go in there for you, that fills me with faith. Remember the song, put me in, coach? God, put me in, coach. I'll go in and I'll do it. I'll do it. Let's continue. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. That's where I need that quiet time. Just for a second, what corrective measures should I take? What should I do? Well, I went in for printing the other day and holy crap on a cracker, printing from the last time I ordered it has gone through the frickin' ceiling holy potato pancakes, it has gone up like you wouldn't believe. And my guy in San Diego is no longer in the printing business. So I had to go to a place here. You know what? I had a buck up and I had to pay that money for my printing. But before I paid that money for the printing, I was surly with the person. I had a call up when I got home and I made a direct amends because I wasn't my usual self. I was not my usual self. I was not nice. And I don't want that. When I go in to pick it up, when I pick up the uh, printing, I'm gonna apologize yet again. I hope she's there because I'm gonna apologize to her again. That is really not who I am. And that's doing that isn't me. That comes from God. All right, let's go to the next paragraph. On awakening, I don't know that we'll finish the paragraph. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. That's very self-explanatory. And this should be the way we start our day every day. Before we begin, we ask, before we begin what? Not before we begin reading this, but before we go out and embark upon our day, what do we do? We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Now, the instruction couldn't be more clear. Remember, this is a textbook. It's not a storybook. It's not a book of little vignettes. It's not a John Irving novel. Uh, it's not any of those things, but it is a textbook. So when it says we consider our plans for the day before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking. Ask means pray. Anytime you see the word ask in the big book, he is referring to God. What do I pray for? I pray that my day be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. I don't want to be a manipulator, but sometimes I find my behavior manipulative. I don't want to be dishonest, but sometimes I find my behavior dishonest. I don't want to be scared or angry, but sometimes I find myself in those places. So I'm going to ask God to remove them. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance for, after all, God gave us brains to use. Do you know that one of the things I noticed about getting into recovery, I have so much more energy. You know, people ask all the time, if you come to our Scottsdale meetings, you know, Sunday through Friday, this is the Zoom information. We do it Sunday through Friday from 530 to 6, 630 Pacific time and 8.30 to 9.30 Eastern time on this very Zoom channel. And one of the questions that comes up the most, and it comes up in vision too. Now, the first most asked question in vision is what? Can I be heard? May I be heard? Can I be heard? May I be heard? Can I be heard? May I be heard? That's the number one question on vision. And the number two question is, um, what's the difference between recovered and recovering? We've covered that ad nauseum. And then one of the questions that does come up very frequently is, I've got a full-time job. I've got a little kid. I've got a husband. I've got a wife. I've got this. I've got that. I'm taking care of my parents. I'm taking care of my cousin, my uncle, whatever that may be, my, my children. How do you find the time to do all this? Well, here's what I discovered. When I am running the world, and I'm eating, I am in a state of exhaustion. I'm in a state of exhaustion. My exhaustion knows no bounds. When I am in recovery and I don't have to run the world and I don't have to carry the burden of all the problems of the world on my shoulder. Oh my God, what am I gonna do about this? Oh my God, what am I gonna do about that? Well, you know what I'm gonna do about most of it? Nothing. Nothing. It's not my circus. It's not my monkeys. I know someone that stopped their cable television. They stopped it. They said, I don't want cable. Te- I don't want television. I don't want that stuff because now I don't. I mean, I It almost, you know, I'm, I'm not really tempted because I'm addicted to certain things on TV. I'm like a tv a and I got to have my cubs. I got to have the cubs on there. Come on. But this person has stopped all the television. No internet, no TV, nothing. Why? Because this person wants to be divorced from any of the news that you see all the time. And they don't feel that it's good for them to be exposed to it. And I applaud it. I applaud that. Um, But we don't have to carry this burden. But when I'm not carrying the burden of, oh, my God, who's going to see me eating this? Oh, my God, did somebody see me going into McDonald's? Oh, my God, did somebody see me coming here to the donut shop? I don't have to live like that anymore. I was like a fugitive, like Richard Kimball, the fugitive. I don't have to live like that anymore. I go and I come and I don't worry about, did you see me anywhere? Did you see me here? Did you see? I don't worry about it. I was sponsored for a while by a guy who was a very big, gruff guy, and he used to poke my chest all the time, and I would meet with him every Saturday, but I had to call him every day, and every Saturday, we would go to the Lincoln Park Alano Club in Chicago, and then we would go to a Greek restaurant, and we would meet there every Saturday afternoon, and he would poke his finger in my chest. Now, remember, I'm in my 20s at this time. Are, are you out of ideas yet, kid? He would say, are you out of ideas yet, kid? Because I am i was 30 years younger than anybody in those rooms. And he'd say, if you're not out of ideas, I'm not going to waste my effing time with you. And he would use the real golf words. He wouldn't, you know, he say effing, he would say the real words. And he was a great big guy. You know, he's about 6'5". And he would just, oh my God, he would poke my chest. I almost wanted to get a bulletproof vest, not for getting shot, but just so he couldn't hurt me because he would hurt me all the time when he would poke my chest. Are you out of ideas yet, kid? He'd say that to me all the time. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. What are some of the wrong motives? I want what I want. I want it now, or I want everybody dead. That's a wrong motive. I want this, and I want that. Let me see if I can take a sip of water and clear that up. Let's see. Okay, yeah, it did. Okay, so I have to divorce myself from what I want. God's will be done. Not mine, not mine. Okay, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. Now, this paragraph is in the book because people, humans often think that if they're not in this Lulu land of recovery, if they're not in this Lulu land of of their recovery, then they're doing something wrong. And this paragraph is so key because this paragraph is what I call the license to be human. License to be human. And we're gonna, we're gonna start this paragraph. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. You know why we can't often determine which course to take? Because we're human and limited. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision. What do we mean when we say ask? That means we pray, God, give me, please, an intuitive thought or a decision because I don't have one on my own. We relax and take it easy. That's not a commentary. That's an instruction. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. Do you remember what we talked about in step 10? And everything that's key in the big book is repeated. That's called spiraling the information. Everything that's in this book Is repeated again and again and again because that's how we best learn. Nobody tells us something once and we just got it, except don't put your hand in fire. Maybe that, you know, maybe that was, I'll never do that again. But what does it say on page 84 in step 10? It says on page 84 at the bottom of the page, the last paragraph, it says, And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. Now, let's go back to page 86. It says again, we relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. Calls us back to the instruction of we're not fighting anything or anyone. When I find myself fighting, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble because God didn't put me here to fight. I'm not a prize fighter. I'm not a judo or not a judo uh, MMA mixed martial arts guy. I'm not those things. So I'm not making a living paying of paying, fighting, paying. Where did I get that? I'm not making a living fighting with anybody. I'm just not. So it says we don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. It doesn't say we are surprised. We are often surprised how the right answers come just because we've begun the process and want them. It says after a while. And that indicates to me, top of 87, that indicates to me I'm going to have to keep doing this if I'm going to get results. I'm going to have to keep doing this to get results. Let's go to the top of page 87 what used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. That working part of the mind has to be worked at. We're not genies. We're not witches. It's not going to be instant results. We have to work at it. I've been working at it for years. I make mistakes every day. Made some critical mistakes lately. Boy, am I paying the price for that one. Oh, boy, am I paying the price. Made some critical mistakes. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. Now, again, this is your license to be human. Don't have expectations of yourself that are completely unrealistic. And oftentimes we have these expectations that because we're praying to God Almighty, that we will be infused, imbued, filled with this right right decision-making all the time. We're going to go through a process and that process will not culminate in perfection. I'm going to say that again because it's vital. We are going through a process of getting closer to God and the process of doing this will not result in perfection. Nothing here is perfect. We are not perfect. World isn't perfect. Life isn't perfect. That's an unrealistic expectation. And that comes from fear that if things are not perfect, then they suck. And one of the things I've learned to do in life is seek middle ground. I'm wearing a gray shirt today. And gray is the color of recovery for me. Very seldom, if ever, is recovery all black or all white. Gray, that color in the middle, is the most attractive color for my life. Gray. Because it's neither blackest black nor whitest white. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Again, this paragraph is here to instill us with a satisfactory idea that we are human and that we are human beings striving to have a spiritual awakening. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration, we come to rely upon it. Again, progress is the key. We're making progress. Even if we read this a thousand times and we seem to think life isn't changing, it will. And oftentimes the people around you will notice the change before you do. Now, the next paragraph is pure Oxford group. Now, I'm going to invite you to go back with me to page 13. Now, remember that I told you, and we don't have a lot of time left, but we're going to do the best we can. On page 13, on the in the paragraph, I was to test my thinking. Now, this is step 11. On page 13, we are going to get introduced to something by Bill that is pure Oxford group. And when the book was being written, Hank Parkhurst and Bill shared their space in Newark, New Jersey on Walnut Street. And Hank Parkhurst looked at this page and he put a circle around it in red. And he said to Bill in the margin, Bill, this is real groupy. is this what you want? And the groupy is referring to Oxford group. Let's take a look at page 13 and then we'll come back to page 87. So keep your finger in page 87. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. I'm on 13 now. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. He is God. Never was I to pray for myself, except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. Now, let's go to page 87 with that in mind. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. Sound familiar? That we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. Again, we're praying. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. That's almost word for word. Where am I? Oh, we are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. So we have the repetition. And what was this all stemming from? The Oxford group believed in altruism. What is altruism? Altruism is giving with no expectation of return. Giving with no expectation of return. I have a life. I am abstinent today. I am not eating. I don't have the pall of the guilt and the shame and the remorse over uh, that overeating produces within me. That same Tom guy, that same guy that used to sponsor me and poke my chest, God, I wanted to get a bulletproof vest just so he couldn't hurt me or a, a catcher's, a chest protector or an umpire's. Umpire wear the thickest padding on their chest. I should have got an umpire's thing so he couldn't do that. But anyway, He used to teach me this. Do you want to know if you're abstinent? Here's how he used to teach me how to determine it. He'd say to me, if everything you did today, everything you said, everywhere you went, everything that came in and out of your mouth and everywhere you went besides the bathroom was on the front page of the Chicago Tribune, are you okay with that? Because if you're not okay with it, then you've probably had a day that was in the disease. And how right he was. How right he was. So when I am abstinent and I am free of this disease, I feel emancipated. Emancipated in a way that nothing else can touch. Nothing else can touch. I'm emancipated. So we have these instructions. Let's try to cover one more paragraph. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. I enjoy that. I had a prayer partner for a while. I hope we can do it again. Uh, But it it really, to me, I enjoy doing it with another person. Uh, I'm hoping that that will be the case. But if you like doing it by yourself or you like doing it with a prayer partner, that's a personal choice. That's a personal thing. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. What are the principles? The principles are the steps. Forget about that stuff with the principle of this is hope and the principle of this is honesty. That's not what they're referring to. That came out decades after they were dead. That came out way after these guys were dead. That's a product more of the 90s or the 80s when that was coming out. Bill died in 71, Bob died in 49. So these guys didn't know from from that principle. When he's talking about the principles, he's talking about the steps. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick, quick to see where religious people are right make use of what they offer. I never really was feeling very comfortable in the synagogue of my youth. Everything was in Hebrew, my Hebrew stunk. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable in there. I just wanted to be out eating and out playing and out doing the things that little boys want to do. I didn't want to be there. And I sure as hell didn't want to go to Hebrew school. For crying out loud, I was in school all freaking day. Now, after school, I got to go to Hebrew school for an hour and a half. Oh, man, did I not want to do that. I so did not want to do that. Oh, I hated it like poison. Oh, I just couldn't stand it. But I had to do it. There was nothing I could do. But you know what I noticed? That the people who were more religious than I, they weren't perfect, their lives weren't perfect, but they had something that sort of held them together that I envied. And I didn't see its duplication until I came into these rooms. And I believe, this is me, this is my opinion, please don't throw this in my face. Please don't challenge me on this. This is my opinion. I'm not talking to you about the big book. I'm talking about my opinion. People who are God-based, people who believe, people who worship, they have what I feel is something I want. I want that because I think it's a good thing. Don't like that? Please don't throw it in my face. Okay. We're going to pick this up next week on page 87. And next week, we are going to begin a discussion of sponsorship. We're going to begin a step 12 workshop next week. And we're going to do that. And we're going to um, hopefully dispel some of the myths around sponsorship that many of us have been suffering from. I hope today was helpful. I appreciate how many of you have been turning out. But before I turn this back over to Dottie, who is not feeling well, I don't know why on earth she's here. She's on a pack at home, and I don't know why she's here, but she's smiling and laughing. So that's a good sign. I want to just remind you, if you asked a question last week, would you please hold back? and let people who did not ask a question last week come to the front. And if you did ask one last week and there's a lull in this, then jump in with your question. And as always, no math, no food. And for those of you in Southern California, San Diego, California, I will be with you. I will be there in October and I will give you the dates. This is some, the 7th, no, that's the November. That's the 20th and the 21st, 20th and 21st. It's going to be Friday and Saturday. And I'm going to spend Sunday, I think in San Diego, but um, I'm going to be in San Diego, California. So if you're in that part of the country, I sincerely hope that you will drop by because it would be so wonderful to see you. Okay, Dottie, I'm going to let you take it away and we'll do Q and A.